Thriving in today's fast-paced world of change and disruption requires innovation. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that explores the ins and outs of innovation with raw stories, real insights, and practical advice from the best and brightest in the world of startups and innovation. Each week, we'll bring you the latest ideas in lean startup, design thinking, corporate venture capital, and more. Now, let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Brian, it's been a while since you and I have been uh, in the studio together, so it's exciting to get back together with you to highlight some of our favorite moments over the last 19 episodes. Yeah, we thought it would be a good idea to go back and take a look uh, and pull some clips from some of the past folks that we've talked to, Uh, and specifically, we wanted to pull some clips around this key important part of the innovation process, and that's kind of the the team and the talent that you put around uh, your innovation teams. Yeah, and actually going back to one of our very first episodes, uh, we had the honor of interviewing Ken Duran from Ericsson and and one of the founders of the Atlanta Idea Factory, uh, specifically when we were at the uh, Lean Enterprise Conference up in New York City. Uh, Ken was able to share with us some of the key highlights of what they've learned in terms of getting the right people on the right teams from corporate uh, innovation units uh, to make sure that they had the highest likelihood of success. Exactly. So let's take a listen to what Ken had to say. Because our our culture is pretty innovation invention driven, the opportunity to do these sorts of things is not necessarily terribly difficult. But the culture in and of itself is a difficult culture to, to operate within. I and mean, we find this in a lot of companies that I talk to and that we're just not very, we're very risk averse and we don't really care for failing. Uh, and uh, one of the things that we began to understand that uh, in this kind of completely revamped our program about 18 months ago was we began to really understand that it's not so much about the ideas themselves, it's about the teams that you put around them. And that the vast majority of the people that work in a giant corporation are the wrong people to work on entrepreneurial efforts. Uh, and in fact, you know, being here in New York City for the Lean Labs event, that's what I'm here to talk about, is, is the most important thing we've learned in the last 12 months is that you have to put the right people with the right thinking styles against projects. So talk a little bit about what is the right person to take on these innovation efforts. So one of the things that's been really interesting is I rediscovered something about, about a year ago. There was some work done back in 2007, 2008 out at the University of Virginia by a brilliant uh, research professor there named Sarah Sarasvathy. And, and she had done the original work on this thing called effectual thinking, which is all about uh, the dominant thinking style of individuals being effectual versus causal. Uh, and what she found through her research was is that the vast majority of entrepreneurial people, successful entrepreneurs, I'm talking about people who had sold their companies or divested it out at $250 million or more, very, very successful companies, um, were totally dominated, dominated by effectual thinking skills. Now, I had seen that work back in the late 2000s and, and looked at it and thought, yeah, it's very interesting, but what do I do with that information? So what, right? All of a sudden, as we began to do more and more of these lean projects and began to look at the success and failure, I began to realize, wait a minute, when you combine together lean startup with the effectual thinking skills, if we find the right people, we find the explorers in our midst inside the company and apply them against these lean projects, we've now got a marriage of skills that actually leads us closer to success. Here's the thing that I tell people all the time inside of Ericsson. 
I, go, I, I am very much locked into this idea of innovation horizons, things being close to your core out of the transformational edge, markets that don't exist. And our teams work very much in the Horizon 3 environment, in the markets that don't exist. You've probably heard that term before. Horizon 3, in and of itself, is not predictable. It has unknowable outcomes. Therefore, if you're working on ideas with unknowable outcomes, all ideas are equal at day one. And it doesn't really matter which idea you pursue because the outcomes are all unknowable. Therefore, if you're going to pursue them, the team is more important than the idea. Very similar in the startup realm. The team matters more than, than the idea half the time. That's exactly right. But one of the things that startups have an advantage of is that people don't go work for a 15-person <laughs> company unless they already have that mentality. Yeah. Inside of a company like Ericsson, that mentality is not present in the vast majority of people, nor should it be, by the way, because we have to execute on that $40 billion amount that we have to hit every year. You know, it becomes kind of an interesting dynamic. So one of the key things that I really enjoy about Ken's message is, is again, that thought that the team is almost always more important than the idea. Exactly. And I think the other thing is like this marriage of skills. It's not only just having the right people. Um, you've got to have those explorers, those folks that are curious naturally. Um, and then you pair, pair that with methodologies like Lean Startup and that. Uh, and you can really get some awesome opportunities to create new ways to, to do things in your organization. Yeah, especially when you're looking at those Horizon 3 or really far out there transformational ideas, you really have to get this part right. Uh, it's cool kind of that they're already digging into some different types of assessments or other things, which you know I love, Brian, uh, to be <laughs> able to identify people's aptitude for being successful in this. And so uh, we're seeing more and more corporations starting to adopt that methodology, you know, diving in and really understanding the personality or the aptitude of the people that they're pulling into these Horizon 3 innovation projects. Yeah, you got to get the right people on the bus and the people that come to you with the ideas may not always be the people to drive the bus or, or get on that bus. Speaking of that bus, uh, the second episode that we wanted to go back to was a two-parter we did with Daniele Dondi of the ING Innovation Studio. Uh, Daniele uh, shared with us their unique concept of an accelerator in Europe where they brought together three external startup teams with three internal uh, corporate startup teams uh, for six months and shared with us during that episode a lot of the lessons learned uh, and, and kind of some of the things that he would make sure that he would do differently when they go for their third time around. So let's hear a little bit from that clip. A key element here is that the teams needs to feel the sense of urgency. So even if we might decide not to shorten the time frame, we will for sure put some uh, stage gate evaluation moment in, be- in between that are seen as an intermediate demo day. And uh, we hope that with that model, that uh, uh, team will go faster and have the sense of urgency uh, through all the cycle. Having said that, most probably instead of six months will be a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you learned, the internal versus external teams? Were there different styles or different ways that they interacted or, or uh, different learnings based on the fact that they were either internal or external teams? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you always say that the most important uh, element in the project is the quality of the team right mm-hmm. and um, this is this is not new to us as 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 well we've seen tremendous entrepreneurial spirit from the entrepreneurs so from this from this from the startup while the internal teams even if we selected the most entrepreneurial 
employees of 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 ING, of ING they still were a little bit more risk adverse than yeah. uh, than uh, the other meaning a little bit more skeptical in experimenting with real customer even without a clear uh, product or even without a clear value proposition mm. You know, I think one of the things uh, corporations routinely ask us is, who should we put on those uh, internal project teams like that? Whether they're going through an accelerator or working through their own innovation lab or hub, did you see, were, were there certain positions or types of people uh, within ING that seem to work better than others? Talking about controversials, uh, you know, 80% <laughs> of the internal em uh, employees that came to join the accelerator they came from the risk department. <laughs> so, but there is, I think that, 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 that there is a reason there. Let's be honest. Everybody wants to work on something exciting. Mm -hmm. right? And the opportunity to join an accelerator for six months, uh, you know, gives this uh, hope of being the next CEO of, uh, of Facebook, you know. <laughs> so we have seen that many, many, many people that uh, were doing job a little bit more conservative they wanted to try something different. Mm -hmm. On a more, uh, you know, uh, conservative level, I would say that uh, it's also important to select people that are not too worried about following the classical career step. Mm -hmm. Because when you join an accelerator of six months, you step in a period of high uncertainty. You don't know what's going to happen after all. So you need to make sure that you select people that will not spend the last two or three months protecting their their job, rather people that really want to, you know, learn new things and, and grow and are not worried about what their next position will be. And it's not that easy to find these people before actually you start the, the cycle. All right. Uh, what I liked about the feedback that Daniela gave us is that the insight that even the most entrepreneurial types of teams or people that they thought they were bringing from the corporation were still more risk averse and more skeptical of the process than outside entrepreneurs. Yeah, it, that said the impact that bringing in those external startup teams had on those internal teams, I think definitely is felt. And so if you're going to do uh, some sort of internal accelerator or innovator in residence program, giving those people exposure to external teams, whether they're co-working alongside of them or at least bringing them in for mentoring or for tours or whatnot, I, I think is key. Yep. And then making sure that the people that you do bring in uh, are just a little bit uh, different than your traditional corporate players. You know, they're not um, concerned as much with the traditional corporate path and that I think you'll have more success if you try to identify that earlier in the phase than, than later. Yeah, that was a key point I think that Daniela made at the end to reiterate that especially in helping people towards the end of the program if they know they're going to go back into their corporate jobs to make sure that they have a soft landing uh, if the idea isn't going to go forward or just doing something so that you don't get that distraction over those last couple of months and they can really continue to push hard on the projects that they're working on. And our last clip is with Sean Shepard with GrowthX. We switch gears a little bit um, where we're not talking only just about uh, teams and, and the talent that you need to put around your innovation folks, but specifically one of the key areas that's oftentimes missed both in startups and innovation teams is this idea of a market expert. You know, it's, it's much more important to have um, a person who understands how to get something to market than just develop a product. And so let's hear a little bit from, from Sean. Developing technology today is a lot cheaper 
and easier than it ever used to be. Mm -hmm. um, getting to a, a product to market, especially in the age of applied technology, is faster and cheaper and easier than actually getting traction in the marketplace. Right. Mm. And if you agree with that, you believe that, and, and we talked about this earlier, the first company I raised money for, we had to raise $8.3 million just to get an MVP to market. Yeah. I could build that same technology today, 15, 16 years later, for two to three hundred thousand. Wow. Because all the infrastructure exists. Yes. Right. Right? Absolutely. Oh, so and the channels are there too. Yeah, exactly. And I bet that Pokemon Go game costs next to nothing to get to market, uh -huh. right? Maybe a few hundred grand. Who knows? But the reality is, is how 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 much money would would advertisers spend to acquire hundreds of millions of users? Um, and could they do it in two weeks? Yeah. Right. No, they couldn't. Mm -hmm. um, not without a Super Bowl commercial. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But that's that's the that's the age in which we live. So in that era, the market developer is just as important as the product developer. Yeah. And that's our argument. And what we see every day when we help companies grow is that there's a lack, there's a dearth of talent mm -hmm. that knows how to help them effectively get a product to market and get to the truth as quickly as possible. And as a result, we've decided that we need to help develop that talent. Whether it works in companies in our portfolio or not, it should exist in the startup ecosystem, it should exist in corporations and their innovation teams. Yep. It should exist when you're testing new products in new markets. There are attributes of humans, like can you embrace ambiguity? Can you effectively communicate across teams? Can you talk to humans and engineers? <laughs> um, uh, all those things, right? And can yep. you effectively measure that in an analog way? Mm. which isn't as easy as when you're looking at a microphone and saying this either works or it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot more nuance in understanding people with that. Yeah, and, 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 and there are people... You can support it with digital feedback loops, as you said, but there's still a lot of processing that needs to happen. Yeah, and even more importantly than that, do you have a passion for that? Mm -hmm. Does that lack of, of structure and support and, and the ambiguity and the unknown and the risk, does that frustrate you mm -hmm. right. or motivate you because if it frustrates you you need to get the hell out right this, this is not a fit for you sure you go back to a big company in a cube and whatever okay and if you're in a corporate innovation team who's frustrated by that internally I respect it and understand it all the more reason why you need to outsource some of the innovation to bubble up to the surface the things that actually can create a competitive mm -hmm. advantage for your company absolutely all right, you know that last point that he made there of the market developer being as important as the product developer, that's, that's huge. Probably a little bit controversial too, but uh, again, given the fact of how much further people can go on fewer dollars, it really does start to shift the balance in terms of, of the, getting the right people on the team who can actually help build traction for the product that maybe takes less time or less money than it used to to build. Yeah, at the end of the day, if you don't have a product that people care about or want to buy, um, you're probably sitting on something that's not going to go very far. Absolutely. And so I'm, I'm glad that Sean uh, and others out there uh, like GrowthX are out there trying to build in these new skills around market development. Whether it's for startups or whether it's for corporate innovation teams, this is absolutely a skill set uh, that's going to be needed going forward. And whether it was Ken or Daniela or Sean, all of them really f focused on the fact that you need to focus on building functional learning organizations, organizations and, 
and uh, innovation labs that are constantly testing and experimenting with the marketplace to get the most out of their uh, new inventions. Absolutely. Well, Brian, it's been a fun uh, first 20 episodes with you. Uh, looking forward to some of the great ones that we have uh, upcoming. Uh, we've got on the dockets uh, Samsung, uh, BMW, a number of other great companies, uh, as well as a few other surprises. As always, if you have any feedback or you'd like to uh, us to specifically go out and find some people to bring onto the show, please reach out to us. We're on Twitter at the IO Podcast. You can follow us directly at InsideOutside.io. Till next time, go out and innovate.